0: Will the Seahawks make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo when he's inevitably released by the San Francisco 49ers? I noticed this quote from Matt Mayoka, who is a beat reporter in San Francisco, who covers the team very, very closely, seems to be well-respected. He went on the radio and said that, in his opinion, when it gets to August 30th, the Niners will release Garoppolo. They will not drag this out until right before the first game when his contract will become fully guaranteed that they will do him a solid and once the cutdowns come, they will release him. I mean, it makes sense because the 49ers, if they were to keep Garoppolo, would have to cut an extra player just to keep him on the roster on the off chance that somebody and they won't do will eventually trade for him. So you save, what is it, $24 million. You get to keep a younger player on the edge of the roster. You get to allow him to go and sign for somebody else. It just makes a whole bunch of sense that he will be released next week in a few days' time. So what are the Seahawks going to do? I have thought for a long time now that the Seahawks were not going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. That essentially what they had, they were content with. We saw with their very lukewarm interest in Baker Mayfield, they were kind of linked to him but never really seemed to be a serious player. And some of the big B reporters like Ian Rappaport said that, which made me think, okay, they're content with this. They're going to go through this season. They are thinking bigger picture here. They're going to look towards the 2023 draft. And we know there's some very talented players coming through and they're just going to take the lumps this year. They're going to try and develop their O-line, their D-line, some of their younger players, get a team together, get a running game going hope that Geno Smith and Drew Locke can keep them competitive while acknowledging that they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They may well be picking in the top 10 and then they can go and get their quarterback in the future. That is how I felt for a while the Silk's going to play this. And then the preseason happened and they were 24-0 down to the Chicago Bears once they'd benched all of their starters after the first couple of series. They have looked a shambles at times. They had some spells in Pittsburgh where they moved the ball and looked pretty good. Uh, Gino Smith at the end of the first half, when Drew Locke came in up until his turnover, looked decent, scored some points. They also couldn't tackle for Toffee. You know, they did an appalling job tackling in Pittsburgh, and they followed it up with a fantastic sequel of bad tackling in the next game as well. So that's been an issue. Special teams has been horrific. They've got injuries to Kenneth Walker. You know, Richard Penny ended last season well, but can he stay healthy? And Gino Smith has not been able to move the ball. Seven consecutive series. Against Chicago, where he didn't score any points, and people can say, "Okay, well, there were drops, and that's true, and that it certainly isn't all on Geno Smith." But it's Geno Smith, you know, the the kind of revisionist history that people are going through now to sort of look through and go, "Ah, Geno's just never had a chance," or "Oh, you know, Geno Smith, and it's it's everybody else's responsibility to make Geno Smith great." But you've got to provide a bit of inspiration. You've got to make a bit of magic happen. You know, it's it's not always gonna be on other people. A great O-line, a great running game, your receivers to bail you out. You've got to you've got to inspire, you've got to have a bit of magic to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's the problem for me with Geno Smith. I think when he plays games as we saw with the Jaguars last year against a bad opponent, when things are on time and things are running smoothly, I'm sure he will be fine and he will get them in and out of the plays and they will be able to win some games. I think the problem is, is when they come up against any kind of defence that that provides any resistance, as we saw against New Orleans last season, he ain't going to be able to make it happen. He isn't going to be able to do anything. And the offence will just stall. And I think one of the other concerns that we're going to have is the running game, which they are leaning heavily on. If you I mean, just put yourself in the shoes of an an opponent who are coming to play the Seahawks, what are you going to do? Are you going to stack the box to take away the run? And then dare Geno Smith... To beat you in the passing game? Of course you are. Of course you are. And I think that's going to make it really difficult for Seattle's running game this year. And there is at least a potential for me this could be a really difficult season. A much more difficult season than I think I was anticipating, certainly with some of the stuff I've seen on Twitter than a lot of other people are anticipating, because the Seahawks have just got really bad at times. And maybe two, three weeks of Carroll saying, OK, we're not really competing anymore. We're just thinking about week one. We'll straighten things out and they'll be organised there. But that week one game, as enticing and as interesting as it was when it was announced, the Seahawks hosting the Broncos, Russell Wilson's return in week one. Now, I think is just sort of sticking out like a sore thumb for Pete Carroll. He does not want this game, I don't think, first up, because this is not going particularly well. If you think back to the 2011 season, it took the Seahawks five or six games. And the 2011 season is the one that I think is most comparable to, to this season, if things go according to plan. It took them a few weeks to straighten things out. They were, I mean, if you think about that, second game against Pittsburgh, they didn't score a point. They were awful. They were blown away. So, and they were pretty much blown away in the first game in San Francisco as well, in Harbor's first game there. So this could be ugly. And if the Seahawks get their doors blown off by Russell Wilson, of all people, and his new team, then that's going to put a lot of pressure on Pete Carroll. We've already heard fans booing the team in preseason. And as much as we could say, well, look, Carroll is is probably not going anywhere. And I, I, I still maintain that's probably true that this is going to be on his terms when he eventually does move on. I also think that when you are the face of the franchise and you trade away someone like Russell Wilson, you then put a lot of pressure on yourself. You do not get the benefit of the doubt like Carroll had in 2010, 2011, 2012, where you were essentially picking up a fallen franchise and trying to rebuild it. A new coach gets that time. The coach who is been the person who has won over Russell Wilson in the whose philosophy gets to stay in Seattle stakes, if you are then really, really bad and Russell Wilson, if he goes to Denver and is really, really good, the pressure is going to ramp up and up on Pete Carroll. There are going to be more people than ever questioning his future and whether he should be here anymore. And as I suggested, in the last video that I did, I think if it goes really bad, I think Carol himself will start to think, why am I still here? I don't need this. You know, it's going to tarnish his legacy if he has a really ugly season. It's certainly going to tarnish how people remember him if the Silks are constantly getting booed and, and this season becomes a fire Carol, um, Carol in, Carol out absolutely horrendous debate and, and look I keep bringing this example up and people who follow English sports will know about it but there's a, a soccer team a football team it's football uh, called Arsenal in London and they had a very long tenured very popular coach in Arsene Wenger and he had a lot of success but then at the end it just went stale and it tore the fan base apart for two or three years there was Wenger in groups and Wenger out, cliques, and it became an online headache for everybody. Even if you weren't a flippin' Arsenal fan, you were kind of having an an opinion on it, you kind of got dragged into it, It, and then eventually the team just pulled Wenger out of his misery and they moved on. I really hope that doesn't happen in Seattle, because Carroll, I think despite a lot of people going sour with him, because of what's happened over years and the way that the franchise has been managed... I think a lot of people don't want to see him fall flat on his face. They want to see him eventually leave Seattle with fond memories. And, and I think there's a really serious danger here with the way that this preseason has gone and the way things are trending and already a few injuries in the team. This could be a really bad season. And if and starting off with a bad defeat to Russell Wilson, and if they go 0-1, 2 0-3 to start the season, there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on Carroll, especially if they're playing bad football, especially if Geno Smith isn't very, very good. So in that situation, he could always turn to Drew Locke because, let's be honest, Geno Smith is going to start this first game against Denver. There's no doubt about that. I mean, unless Geno Smith throws a horrendous pick six in his one or two series against the Dallas Cowboys this week and then Drew Locke comes in and plays like Joe Montana, it's going to be Geno Smith who plays in that first game against Denver. So the option for Cal will be to turn to Drew Locke. Um, but I the, the reason and the whole point of this video, I know it's been a bit of a throat clearing to get to this point. The point of the video is... If the Seahawks start really badly, um, do they need another option or somebody who can come in and manage this better than maybe Drew Locke can? I don't know. And I just think with the way things are going, if Drew Locke and Geno Smith had played better and if the team looked better, then I think the Seahawks would start the season saying, we're happy with what we've got. I think because it's gone the way that it has they might be more inclined to try and push for Jimmy Garoppolo, to have another body in the building to say, okay, that's our guy. If, when Geno Smith doesn't do anything, they perhaps give him two or three weeks to get acclimatised to things, to to learn the offence. And then if it goes badly, Garoppolo could come in and, and maybe could do a better job just sort of managing the offense, being a game manager for want of a better term, which is kind of what they want Geno Smith to be. He's not a point guard. I mean, look, point guards have to improvise and, and provide a bit of a spark. Geno Smith is not there to do that. Geno Smith is there to run the offense. So it's a game manager. And if they want a game manager, Jimmy Garoppolo might be better at that. I mean, hey, at least Jimmy Garoppolo has not got something like a 34-37 touchdown interception ratio, has actually led a team to a Super Bowl, has actually led a team to another NFC Championship game, has actually had some proven ability, has shown that he can have a 20-touchdown-10 interception season as opposed to Geno Smith, who's never had that. Uh, and people can make all of the excuses they want. I never got a chance, or he was with really the Jets, or whatever. Listen, Geno Smith's in his 30s now. If he was worth anything, someone would have given him a shot by now and they never did, he was always like a free agent and deep into the summer then the Seahawks would pick him up as a backup that's happened every single flipping year we don't have to pretend that he's something he's not so I think that there might be a, a change in mindset that the Seahawks are now perhaps more open to Jimmy Garoppolo because they've been so bad and like I say, the thought process with this is, you bring in Garoppolo it gives you another option, the Seahawks don't have to be good necessarily in 2022 they just have to not be horrible. And Garoppolo might give them a chance, a better chance, of not being horrible. Because if they are horrible, as I mentioned, the pressure massively increases on Carroll. It massively imp- increases on John Schneider. It massively increases on the ownership, such as it is, with Jody Allen fronting, uh, you know, essentially a, a holding ownership until the sale in, in what, two or three years' time, or whatever. Um, they, they might look at this more favourably now. The Jimmy G option... Because it might enable them to avoid a catastrophe, so we'll see. I I think now I'm more willing to consider the Sixers would go down that road than I was a few weeks ago, just because of the way the preseason has gone. Things could, of course, change in the game against Dallas, and we will react to that game, and I'll give you some thoughts immediately afterwards, and we'll do a, a stream next week to talk about what we've seen there and when the cutdowns happen to give some reaction to that. Um, and you know we'll see what happens to Jimmy Garoppolo. He may not want to go to Seattle. If he's cut and then has the option of going anywhere, he might want to go to Houston, he might want to go to Cleveland, he might want to go to New York. I mean, f- for me, if I was him, I'd maybe consider going to the Jets instead, just because the offensive coordinator in New York is ex-49ers. The head coach is X49ers, you know those guys. I don't know what kind of reputation what kind of relationship he has with them, but that would be a more of a seamless transition, you would think. And if Zach Wilson is going to miss some time, and who knows if Zach Wilson is even the answer in with the Jets, that might be more appealing to him. Plus it's in New England's division. He might like that. Uh, rather than playing in a loaded MC West. So I don't think it's a given that if he's released, uh, that he would choose Seattle But, you know, that beat reporter Matt Mayoko was, was saying in, on the radio that the feeling is in San Francisco's building that he will join the Seahawks as soon as he is released. So we'll have to see. I think it's more likely than it was because of the situations laid out. But um, yeah, I have to say right now, I think the Seahawks were shooing for a top 10 pick in, uh, in 2023. And that's almost for a little bit conservative to sort of range it as top 10. They are not in a good place right now. And they have some young pieces, but they don't have a ton of young pieces. And we have to hope that some of them are going to develop and become core players over the next 12 months. Um, Otherwise, yeah, this could be a bigger rebuild than maybe some of us anticipated initially. Anyway, that's all for now. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe for the best Seahawks analysis. I think it is, but then I would say that. I'm biased. And uh, don't forget to check out seahawksdraftblog.com for more analysis. Until the next video, until next time. Bye for now.